Welcome to the 207th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. When John Lumen was a teenager, growing up on his family's livestock farm in the 1980s, he had a tough love epiphany of sorts. A plain-talking student from New Zealand was staying with the family, and he made it clear that he didn't think much of the way operations like the Lumen Enterprise did things. Raising row crops and forages, hauling them to the cattle, and then hauling away the manure was way too much work, said the student, and it didn't make sense financially. It could be hard to listen to criticism, but later, when John was in college, he spent six months in New Zealand working on a livestock operation, and he became convinced that the exchange student was on to something. John observed how New Zealand livestock producers focused more on profit per acre than profit per animal, and reduced their cost of production as much as possible. One of the ways they did this was by allowing cattle and other livestock to harvest their feed and spread their manure via managed rotational grazing. In short, the animals do the work of producing meat and milk, and the farmer serves as a manager of the process. Today, John and his son Jared raise a cow-calf herd, as well as row crops, some of which are certified organic, on 720 acres in southeastern Minnesota's Goodhue County. They utilize managed rotational grazing to harvest feed from perennial pasture grasses as well as cover crops. By focusing more on profitability than all-out production, the Lumens feel they've been able to create an operation that generates a good, sustainable income. In fact, such a focus on cutting costs and squeezing more profit from each acre helped make room for Jared to join the operation when he graduated from college in 2015 and John's father, David, retired from farming. On a recent summer afternoon, the Lumens hosted a Land Stewardship Project Soil Builders Network Field Day, where participants saw how they are integrating livestock grazing and cover cropping to develop resilient, profitable soils. They also saw how the Lumens' focus on per-acre profit means utilizing strategies that are not the norm in mainstream agriculture, such as raising smaller cattle and grazing land that is considered prime crop ground. After the field day, I talked to John about the benefits of creating a system where the cattle do the work of not only feeding themselves, but building soil health. I did have a bit of an epiphany back in the 1980s. Um, I was just a teenager, maybe 14 or so, and we had a student from New Zealand come and work for us for one year. <clears throat> and he told us how, how foolish we were over here and how far behind they were. They were much more advanced, and we were just kind of stupid. Goes over really well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of people would have just, just got, were pri- would be prideful and, and, and just say, well, I don't want to talk to you anymore. But I don't know, that kind of perked my interest in learning more about it. And and so then I went to work in, after I got, was in college for a couple of years, I went through FFA to, on a work experience abroad to New Zealand for six months. And I worked there and, and you know, I kind of discovered that there was a, a very different way of doing it. And they have a real low cost mentality, um, but they're not, it's not just about reducing costs, they're very focused on profit. and. You know, we, we talk about sustainable agriculture, but if it's not profitable, it, it, it's not going to sustain itself. And they're, they were um, willing to do things different, and they made their livestock industry, they made their animals do the work, and, and the people just kind of manage it. And you become much more of a manager than, than actually slogging it out there, delivering feed to cows, hauling the manure away, cutting the grass so that they had the food. You're making the cows do all that work. And you're managing it in a way that's profitable. So it, it makes sense to, to uh, talk about production uh, per animal. And, and we've heard that story for, 
quite a long time, and there's good reason uh, for it, but it, it really is the wrong goal. You really need to be looking at profit per acre and trying to figure out a system that works to improve profit. And, and we've just decided that, you know, with studies that have been done out there, that they're, for us in, in the beef anyway, that the smaller cattle uh, and having more of them, more cattle that are smaller, producing more calves that are smaller is much more profitable than trying to select for high weaning weights. And that's been kind of the, the mantra of university uh, talking for 40 years, and the size of cattle has gone from 1,000 pounds to 14, 1,500 pounds or more per cow. And yes, you do get a little bit more weaning weight, but it isn't that much more, and you end up feeding a cow that's 50% bigger. And 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 I, I just think that there's too many people that are, are believing that and, and following that idea and, and uh, it's really hurting their income because they're they're focusing on production trying to do everything right and they're not doing the right things and you can do everything right um, but if you're not doing the right things you will not have profit per acre well and I think that's it, it what's nice about this is it works it, it dovetails nicely with the system you've got here with the mob grazing and the rotational grazing and the idea that you aren't a real big fan of haymaking, both for <laughs> from a quality of life standpoint and economically. And so if you do focus more on that profitability and not getting those cattle to be su such bigger sizes, you can ha have them kind of get their nutrition from poor quality forages that sometimes you have in a grazing system and not be focused, sounds like, so much on high quality hay, that kind of thing. Yeah, a lot of things have changed over the years, and you can't just focus in on production and uh, the price of tractors, the price of hay balers, the price of pickup trucks uh, in the last 40 years has gone up, I think, five or six times what it was, and the price of cattle has only doubled in that time. Uh, those are rough estimates, but that means when, when the economics change, you have to consider a different paradigm. You have to think a little differently than just doing the same thing and just striving to be better at it. And, and just trying to be better at it isn't good enough because it does change the whole economics. And right now, the economics of, of doing all that work for your cow so that she produces a little bit more just does not make sense. It's better to focus on getting your cows to work for you and reducing your labor. Labor is very, very expensive compared to what it used to be. Um, you know, in my dad's generation, people, you could easily get kids from other farmers that had five, six kids to come over and help you throw bales. But nowadays, you're going to pay minimum wage to everybody and, and, or more to get them to do that kind of work. And you need to look at things differently. And for us, it's making the cows do the work for us and, and managing the whole system so that it, it works with less labor. You had your org on your uh, row crop acres, you're certified organic. And so you had um, kind of a rotation where you were, I think, putting in pasture every third year. But you kind of decided, even though that's tillable land, maybe there's some areas that just should remain in pasture. And, and talk a, bit, a little bit about your decision-making about changing that uh, rotation system that you're looking at. Yeah, there's, there's a big difference in the value and the rental price of tillable acres compared to pasture acres. But it's not a, a solid and black white, black and white issue. There's lots of acres that are tilled that probably shouldn't be tilled. And I guess you can either do it with no-till raising crops or we 
consider that the benefits of grazing uh, with mob grazing and and cover crops and, and that type of thing that we're able to make just as much income or profit per acre uh, with grazing as we could if we put it into row crops. So one of the things that that uh, I think is a real positive is your son Caleb has come, come into the operation. I think he graduated from college in 2015 and that you've been able to, it sounds like, kind of on by focusing more on profitability and uh, re, you know often a situation like this somebody a, a son or a daughter comes into the, an operation you're gonna have to look at you're expanding your land base to make room for that but you haven't had to do that can you talk a little bit that sounds like so far anyway yeah you've been able to kind of make room for him kind of with what you currently have set up a little bit Part of that answer is my dad worked really hard uh, up to the end. I mean, he's I mean, he's still alive, but he's not able to work anymore on the farm. And he's um, just been a workhorse. I mean, he just, so Jared's just filling in right in his spot. Uh, but the income has been good, and we've, we've been profitable year in and year out um, doing this type of farming and, you know, just focusing on that. But I guess the, the issues we've really tried to deal with the last few years is the lifestyle and I mean I love farming and I love the work but there can be a point where it gets to be too much and you know I, I was talking with someone today too about how they you know love it and it's working it's a seven day a week job but you know that's that's the reason I guess probably that two of my sons didn't want to farm because they saw the disadvantages of that and if you don't have that passion for agriculture and, and farming like I do and Jared does and my dad did and you know, then you just look at it as, you know, why would anyone want to work 70 hours a week? And so a couple of years ago, we decided to just stop the, the hay production system for selling hay. We used to raise a lot of dairy, organic hay, and, and it was it was okay. We made money on it. We weren't losing money. But when we looked at all the costs of it and what it was doing to our soil to sell all that nutrients off, it wasn't worth the effort. And it was competing for the same time in our machinery for our organic crops. And... The organic crops were lucrative and the hay was just marginal and just decided that it was better to feed the soil than it was to try to make a few extra bucks and that's hard for people to to let a few dollars slip away from you that you could have had but you have to decide whether it's worth the cost and, and value all the costs not just not just the the dollars you might pay but the e the economics but also the environmental costs and we were losing a lot of fertility and then we'd have to buy in manure from someone else to, to make up for that fertility, and that's more work too. So, you know, now we with mob grazing, we're handling our spring flush by mobbing it down and, and just leaving that residue on the soil, and we're only taking maybe 40% of the forage in the spring, and, and the rest we're feeding the soil with. So we've been able to, to kind of get rid of that spring flush somewhat. We take, we take some hay off of it, but then we're just kind of mobbing it down and in the middle of the summer we're we're feeding the soil with our cows and then in the fall we're trying to get higher utilization in our pastures to extend our grazing season so we don't need as much hay sounds like you really don't see a disconnect between soil health and profitability that you really that's a very important thing to you uh, trying to build that soil health and i guess are you seeing are you starting to see that connection where um, now my organic matter is going is getting higher in certain fields and it's it's producing a more profit for me kind of thing or are you starting to see that connection a little bit yeah um, that's a difficult question I 
I don't think our organic matter levels have gone up that much in our system, just having done it now for a year or two. Uh, it takes a few more years to see that. But where the cattle are uh, able to be um, grazed and, and mobbed down, or where we've seen our biggest advantage is, is what we do in the winter, where our cows are in the winter when we're feeding hay, feeding it out on the land. Um, you just you collect so much more of the nutrients to stay right on the soil and it doesn't cost you anything to have the cow deposit it right where it came from or wherever you want to build the soil. And I think a lot of the old time feedlots, uh, pretty much the urine of the cow was lost. They, they could maybe scoop up the manure, but the urine pretty much ran off into the ditch or was evaporated away. And that's where most of your potassium is. So for years when we were selling hay or, or feedlotting cattle, we were losing most of the potassium component and we were spending money buying potassium. Well, now with mob grazing, you know, all that residue is is liquef is letting the potassium leach back into the soil, and it just makes the next growth much more vigorous. Uh, or winter grazing, where the urine of the cows is from eating the hay, they're depositing that right back, and we're getting tremendous growth, and the increased organic matter is uh, is making it through when there's periods of le with less rain. And also, uh, by mob grazing, you have more forage sitting out in front of you, so when it's dry weather, your forage is, is shaded from the sun, the, the soil is, so it, it doesn't dry out as quick. And you've got that forage supply sitting in front of you, so you can go for a longer period of time without rain, without running out of grass. And when you're grazing short grass, the roots are also short, and they need, they need rain every week or they're in trouble, where we can go for weeks and weeks without trouble. <laughs> On the Land Stewardship Project Soil Builders Network, see landstewardshipproject.org. There you can find fact sheets, resources, videos, and information on upcoming workshops. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.